Hey everyone, my name is Andrew Brahas, and I'm eating cereal, and I'm talking to my good buddy Jeff fucking May. And look at us. I I noticed. I noticed the hat. I wore nice. this hat to the grocery store, and someone goes, "Oh hey, oh uh, do you know my friend Jeff May?" I was like, "Oh hey, do I go go go? Yes, I do." You'd be like, "That would be weird if I didn't." Yeah, I had this hat. Oh uh, no, I saw this. I got this at the uh, at the what's it called? Um, that's a wrap, antique like um. It's a wrap. Yeah, yeah. That would be like a hundred of these. That would be so hurtful because I'm the only one that makes them. (laughs) Be like, wait, you guys bootlegged my bootleg of a Red Sox hat, and then now you're doing that. That's not nice. Yeah, that isn't nice. Everyone, hello, welcome, my good friend, uh, Jeff May. Thank you so much for doing this. No problem. Um, I'm glad to be here. I really, yeah. I, I'm, uh, I'm stoked to find out what kind of cereal you eat on a Monday morning. Oh, I was. I'm eating the boring, like nature's grown or some crap. You know, whatever. Yeah, I mean like. that's that's fair. I always feel like with cereal, like if you're gonna eat cereal, you might as well go straight for the candy cereal. Yeah. Well, not. I mean, not. No, not for me. No. Well, no. I'm. Before I mean, I love candy reading. cereal. Don't get me wrong, but I get yeah. my candy elsewhere. You know. Okay. That's not. What's your, what's your favorite cereal? I love. You know, I love cinnamon toast crunch and yeah. uh, ch- ch- uh, Cheerios. You know, I found I out Honey Nut Cheerios. Jack. Honey Nut Cheerios is the highest selling cereal in the world. It's because of the honey. Yeah, and then I did not know that, and that that makes a lot of sense because it's so good. It is a tasty treat. You know? Like I'm not surprised. I'm surprised by it only because I guess it's like a variant. It would be like, you know, what the highest selling uh, soda in the world is cherry Coke. You'd be like, yeah, That's, that doesn't seem right. Yeah. Like well, what standard. would you think, like Frosted Flakes or something? Like I would think Cheerios. Cheerios. Just I would regular. think like a like st- like a standard Cheerio or like yeah. a cornflake. Yeah. Um. So only like because a... it's such a base and they're used in like baking. Right. So often, you know, like Rice Krispies. I would expect Rice Krispies to be there because people are making them. Oh, yeah, because, time. you know, I think like after a certain age, you stop eating Rice Krispies. Yeah, yeah. Once you re- can buy your own cereal. Yeah. You're like, you know and... what? I love cereal that doesn't become mush when I'm eating it. <laughs> well, this is such a great way to start this podcast. Um, we could do a whole cereal hour. If we you could want. do, you know, because maybe we should do. I have two cereal. diametrically opposed favorite cereals. Cause like, yeah, my, yeah. what's yours? Uh, my two go-to cereals are Count Chocula. Oh, I know, but it's like, that's, I need that. Is it like nostalgia? Overload. Is it more like a nostalgia eat? You mean because of the monster cereal aspect of it? Not as much as I just like, I like an overload. Like if I'm going to have chocolate, I need it to beat the crap out of me. Um, like I need to be beaten down by the chocolate flavor. Um, but the other one that I get is the yellow box, the big shredded wheat biscuit. Yeah. That's like the size of a fist. Oh, those are um, good. And I, I like, I, I crush it up and I put honey on it. And that's like my, all. And so like the two things that I love are like the weirdest, most childish cereal. And then also like grandpa cereal. Yeah. Like those I are the two things. I am not surprised to be honest. I guess that's a good way said. to describe me. It, as you just said, you're like, I need this to beat me up. Like you are a boxer, you are a stand-up comedian. Yeah. So uh, you you do things that just like you're either getting the getting the laugh 
or getting punched in the face, you know? I th- I would say stand-up comedy is a fight yeah. in of itself. I think totally. we've all been beaten down by this career path uh, that one can choose. I yeah. do I do feel like I am a bit of, how do I put it? Uh, a bit of a masochist. Yeah, but say. like in the most, like, uh, I almost said the P word, but in the most like, uh, just in a way that doesn't actually give you pain, you know? Uh, I mean, boxing, yes. <laughs> I'm like, what are you talking about? When it comes to comic comedy, I mean, that's other than your pain. ego. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if okay, well, we'll put it this way: like, if so, I seek out boxing for the physical pain. Yeah, but you and don't. I do seek you spar? out. Yes, I spar okay. at least two times a week. Wow, and I'm 41, and they're just pounding your face in. Yeah, and a lot of it's not so much sparring as me teaching people how to hit me. So, like, oh. I'm not even doing damage to them. I'm helping, doing damage all to you. I'm, I'm helping them learn how to do damage to me. Wow. Um, and wow. some people, especially when they're new to the sport, don't know how to pull punches. Like they don't know what tap sparring is or anything like that. So they're, they try to hurt me. Yeah. And, uh, sometimes I'll be like, I'll give you a receipt if you, Oh, now we're you, going into the if, wrestling. If, if you, well, sparring is close to wrestling yeah. when you look okay. at it, where it's like, yes, we're in contact with each other. No, we're not trying to hurt each other. We're right. trying to help each other and and you know help help get better and make you look good. But if you do try to harm me, I'm going to show you what it actually feels like. Well, uh, yeah, I'm I'm assuming that someone who's learning isn't trying. They just think because you know you think I have to hit as hard as I have to, I can. You know. Yeah, but there is a part to me that I do have to incur where I say you know if we actually fought, you do understand I would kill you like there is that aspect where i'm like no 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 the reason that you're still standing after i landed that hit on you is because i just tapped you with because i let you live yeah i mean i've been doing this for 21 years i'm generally about six inches taller than most of the people i train with yeah um and i outweigh them usually by at least 15 pounds pure muscle i wouldn't say that okay well bones and a lot of bones Bile so many bones <laughs> too many too many bones some um, would say i have i have i have 345 bones in my body <laughs> um but yeah so like i guess with the physical aspect boxing boxing is the thing it's the sport that i love it's the sport that changed my life and oh that's I, cool i kind of feel like it saved my life but that's uh, Re- if we want to really i mean were you like a drug addict and you were like- uh, i was well okay so I was a, I'm a I'm a food addict. Uh, a, oh, uh, that's right. You were so, a big person. Well, well, it's not just that I was a big a big person. I was I I was uh whatever you want to say. You're like I, whatever Brendan Fraser was in the whale. Like, uh, I was I was getting there. I yeah. was I was I was closing in on that. I I was I don't you know when you look at my weight, I'd always maintained a slight amount of activity, but I mm-hmm. have sugar addiction and I have I suffer from an eating disorder called compulsive overeating. Uh, um, and I might compuls- have that. So th- that kind of is the joke for a lot of people. They're like, oh, you tell me I'm so compulsive. No, I mean I'm being serious. Yeah. Like, so yeah. the the way I describe that, and and if this resonates with you, I I totally understand. Is that for me, eating is sort of like a conveyor belt process, wherein that if food is in front of me, no matter what, I'm going to eat it. Yeah. Now, 
some people are like, oh, I eat till I'm sick. And I'm like, yes. And then I eat past that. I wow. eat until there is no more because there's a disconnect between my brain and my stomach. Interesting. So what happens, especially like there are when you when you have something like that, there there are tricks to navigate it. You have like especially, you know, in college when it was really sort of enforced upon me, like, hey, this is not a standard form of eating and and through you know, therapy and things like that. They're like, yeah, this is a a not uncommon eating disorder. It's just the one nobody talks about where I had to like, I had rules with like what I would put on my tray uh, at like at the, at the cafeteria. Cause in college it was just all you could eat. Yeah. So I would like have to, you know, leave portion. space on my plate. Yeah. Right. It really was about portion control and rules. Right. So I, I have to, intellectually established rules to circumvent the way my brain and stomach are actually acting uh, sort of either with or against each other, depending on their goals. But I, I was, um, I had, I was working, I was working out and I was still uh, what you would classify as obese. Um, and boxing was the thing that I think really did change my life. It, it changed my eating habits because it was like, hey man, if you don't, if you don't get rid of some of this excess baggage on you, you're gonna get really hurt. Yeah. Um, and that was the immediate process. But then the long-term process was if you don't stop putting fat around your organs, you're going to die young. Ugh. And that to me is something that has always kind of stuck with me. And it's it's hard to navigate in 2023 when you're bringing 2000 speech, you know, the things my doctor said to me 23 years ago, if you, if people said that out loud, uh, you know, or, or tweeted it, you know, you hate to say, canceled. Oh, they get canceled. But it's, yeah. I've, I've never felt that people should feel ashamed of their body. You only get one and you should love your body. And in that regard with body positivity, I'm very for it. Um, I also want everybody to be healthy and not suffer through pain uh, and joint pain and heart pain and things like that. So oh, yeah. I have this, it's hard being on the left and pushing yourself and, and seeing the direction you can go with obesity. Right. You know, like <laughs> that is hard because it is. I want everyone it is. To, As I want, someone yep. who's grown up big. Yeah. And uh was, you know, and I always like look back and I was man, I wasn't as big as I thought I was. Or maybe I just carried the weight better in a in a picture. But yeah, I was never like, you know, I always knew what I weighed and I never liked the number. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I was always the biggest in my class. And then when, because like when we went, when we moved to junior, senior high, we, we merged with another, we, we merged with another town. And I remember this other kid being like medically like huge. And like, I almost felt this relief that I was no longer the fattest kid in my class. Interesting. I never thought about that. It, well, I mean, it was, I was, you know, I was, bullied for it right exactly you know, like, no i mean so you can't, i never you can't thought about it. that until someone pointed it out to me 
Yeah. You know? No, I was, I mean, I was, I hated, I hated everything about uh, the situation I was in, but right. I was also fighting uh, a very uphill battle with my relationship with food, yeah. um, shame eating, uh, binging on foods that people wouldn't normally binge on were like, you know, I'd wait till people were asleep, go to the kitchen and make some frog raw. No, I'd eat the frozen chocolate chips that my mom had for baking in the freezer. And I would eat, I'd eat that at like 2 a.m. Uh, so that's why I, I, you know, for, for those of you that are familiar with me and, and familiar with my presence on certain aspects of social media, I very much try to show my process of, of exercise. Yeah, no, it's inspirational. It, I tr I try to have it that way. Some people uh take umbrage with it. Uh, some yeah. people think that it's sort of like me peacocking. Uh, I'd say more. The thing that I it's been told is is uh, ableism and fat shaming. Interesting. Um, and that's where I have to kind of lean in and be like, no, you're wrong. Yeah. I don't. I don't like to be the. Yeah, you're wrong and I can kill that you. Where, okay. where people are like, you know, if somebody if 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 I make a joke and a a, a person of color is like, hey, that's racist, I'm not going to be like, no, you're wrong. But there are some times where people I think are clearly bringing their own baggage right. into something. And I think I think there also are people that think something's racist that isn't racist, but that's the only way they think they could communicate yeah. that. Sure. You know? Yeah. And I also stand that sometimes I've said stuff that I, I I've had jokes on stage that were racist. Yeah. I thought because I was in on the joke. Right. That they were OK. Well, yeah. Wearing a sombrero and like bringing a mule on stage, I think was a little, you know, I that, do I'm not glad you retired that bit. I do not shy away from this, but I had a joke where I uh, at one point in time said the N word. Yeah. And it was. I don't remember that. It, it was purposefully subversive. It was right. to make fun of the people that claim to be liberal, but really are not. Right. Um, and it was my own. It was from people from Boston. And I the joke was that these were the same people protesting in the 60s with signs that say N word rights. Uh. And it was like this really good tag onto a joke that I previously had. And eventually it kind of hit me where like, oh, it doesn't matter how smart or good that one little punch is it's a punch i don't need to say it right like it's unnecessary my career is not going to fail if i don't say this thing that because my intention is good that doesn't make it okay right um right. and it did take me a little while to say that well you know i i i, I had a similar you know road in comedy yeah but also when I was a kid, my my family, my entire family was was racist. Yeah. Uh, so I thought racist things, uh, towards whom? Everyone. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. There was not a there was not a a race safe. No safe race. No such thing. Yeah. It's like you know. Have you heard of the uh, the the great race? You know, like that show from the. Oh yeah, the show about white people. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's like that, but the opposite. <laughs> The great racists. Yeah, the great racists. Yeah, where you go around the country and be racist to people. I uh, I didn't know that the uh, that the Latinx community is um, like, and obviously not everyone, but uh, I didn't realize the racism towards other groups within the community. 
until my brother, my brother's ex-wife is Puerto Rican. And he's like, if you heard how they talk about Dominicans. Dominicans. Uh, And, you know, yeah. And they get mad because they get called Mexicans. You know, they call. Not not in New England. We don't have Mexicans. Oh, yeah, you do. Nope. We're just, we just haven't told you yet. specifically in in new england i knew maybe two to four mexican people when i go to new england i always meet mexican people they're probably puerto rican no we we have a conversation about that you know it's it's interesting because you know especially like we we both currently live in los angeles and that it's a pretty pretty heavy melting pot oh Um, yeah Massachusetts is not very melty. No. It's, it's it's, it's liberal pasty. the way it votes. Uh, not it's the way more it pasty than melty. But so like we used to have like everybody of of Latinx origin was Puerto Rican. It was just like because we had such a high concentration. Well, there's there's a town uh, in Massachusetts, Southbridge, Massachusetts, which was the town next door that had an incredibly high puerto rican um like central mass is a really high puerto rican um contingent also indian uh because central mass was a huge tech boom in the 80s so a lot of indian uh families would come over to work for like uh i believe compact was the big one which meant our indian food is unbelievable in central mass i bet and when I came out here, I got so bummed because I was like, well, it's only going to get better. And then I was like, oh, what? It's, like you, it's good here. It is had mean, to get better since you moved here. I, I would I would say, you know, obviously I have not eaten at every Indian place that exists. But, yeah. uh, you know, I, they they never missed in central Massachusetts. because uh, just The concentration uh, of of Indian families, especially in like Shrewsbury. Um, so your reference to Indian food is your home like your well it was it was just we had it was just the town kind of geared itself towards its residents right and have you ever been to like overseas and have i been to like mumbai or anything like that well i mean like i've had indian food in harrogate uh england and that was light years above anything i've ever had i would think so yeah the birthplace of tikka marsala right yeah so that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. have you eaten out there and then came and then I, I, ate ha- your I haven't. The, my my point of reference is is the spots where where I grew up. Uh, right. I also don't pretend that just because uh, I'm from a place, the food there is better. A lot of people. Oh. Do. A lot of people do feel I'm like that, that with Mexican food. I, I get it. I understand it. Like, you know, you, you go to a certain place, you go to Albuquerque, New Mexico, and all they talk about is the green chilies. I mean, it's so good. Is it? It's it fun. is. Uh, it's if you've fun. had it fresh, yes. If you've had it like... I've had it every which way, baby. Wow. It's fine. It's, fine. Or it's like, good. I love. Like, see, you- I'm a green chili fan. So like if there is some like little unique thing about it, I'm like, oh, let's try it. Like I'm like... Yeah, it was fun. You know, people say that because I, I like to make the joke. I like to rib on people from Philly. I'm like, I don't know if you guys know this, but you can get a cheesesteak anywhere. <laughs> and they get so bent out of shape about it. But the thing it's about not it is, the it's same. Like, yeah, but if like if theirs is an A plus, yeah, you can get an A minus. A minus. Yes, you can. Yeah. And, and as it's long like, as you know how to make meat and, that's and milk not cheese, a big difference. And then people will be like, oh, so you're saying that like chowder anywhere is good. And I'm like, yeah. 
Yeah. Progressive. Yeah. yeah. The, uh, the best the canned, the best clam chowder I've ever had was in Monterey, California. And I, I New bet. England. So I don't buy, I don't buy into the, we, we call it the mom's meatloaf. That's a good, yeah. That's what I was going to try to get to. Yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't do that. I, I recognize quality. I recognize when things are of dubious quality, but I like them because I grew up with them. Sure. Uh, New England Chinese food is like that. It is. Oh, I mean, I, I I love going to Boston. There is that Chinatown area where mm -hmm. they're making Chinese food at like eight in the morning. Yes. It's yeah. amazing. Um, Chinatown is different than the outskirts. Is <laughs> like it? Outside, if you leave Chinatown and you try to get Chinese food, it's so drastically different and it is garbage, but it's greasy and it reminds me of growing up. That is not me saying that it's good. Uh, <laughs> it's just well, me I, saying that it reminds me like. I love Chinese food. Like in Tucson, I, I didn't realize this, but there's a lot of Chinese like restaurants because a lot of um, families that built the railroads were promised citizenship. And when they were finished, they kept them on the Mexico side and said, oh, yeah, uh, so you can't come here. Wait, are you, tr you trying to tell me that the United States did something racist? No, no, Get out of I'm here. not trying to tell you. Yeah. I am telling you. Yeah. Uh, so and so they had to they had to. So these like, you know, Chinese immigrants. Yeah that built the railroads weren't allowed back into the United States. So they set up shop in, you know, in uh, the Southwest. And so they're like, Oh, well, we have all this land. So we'll grow our native stuff. Now that's a fusion. Chinese Mexican fusion might be my dream team. It is. It is a dream team, it, but it was also like they were making that and making money by selling their, cuisine yeah like all i'm like you know what's so awful to think of is i said that and the first thing as i was like you know like southwestern egg rolls and chilies <laughs> or something like that yeah put some some chorizo in my egg roll you know yeah uh but regardless i anyway uh, i was a boxer but also yes. you know so that's the physical torment and then yeah. the emotional and mental torment is that i am a self-employed comedian and podcaster yeah yeah which I mean, I was looking back. We've known each other since 2015 when I moved here because yeah. of my friend. Aaron Marsh. Aaron Marsh. Shout yeah. out to Aaron Marsh. I just Love saw him. him on Friday. I've been trying to see him, and he he's so hard to, to see. He was at Mint on Card on Friday. He should have stopped by. That's right. I that's was on you for being That's on me friend. for not going to that amazing show. I've been to that <laughs> show. Uh, one of my favorite places. Uh, past on Magnolia. Last from the past. Huge, uh, a huge secondary uh, toy and comic book store. Just a yes. amazing collectible store. Oh yeah, if you like toys, I mean, I think it's a huge like toy collectible. They they do have some some cool back issues. They do. I uh, I actually uh, was going through and I took some old slabbed books from from back in the day and I was like, I don't need these anymore. I brought them to them and I was like, just give me credit. Uh, slabs. Yeah. And then I came back like three days later and they were all sold. Yeah. Slabs are huge. They, they had sold them all. They were like Wizard World variants and stuff like just stuff that I was like, I'm good. Yeah. No. Uh, just for the, the listener, a slab comic is something that you would send to a place like CGC or yep, the what's the other one? CBCS. CBCS. Yeah. CBCS. 
I don't know what they stand for. The what... comic book uh shit. I I mean, do do you curse on here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, shit. Uh CBCS. Yeah, I I've gone through both. CGC is the gold standard. You know, CGC is the Coke. What's the difference? CBCS like honestly, I do I is know. the Pepsi. Um, the reality is there isn't really one. Many people believe that CBCS is a bit tougher graders. Oh. Which is ironic, which means if you get a 9.8, it's a better on average than a 9.8. But people aren't interested in CBCS. They don't sell as well. Oh, Um, so, you know, people get kind of like weirded out by it or they don't go for it. I didn't really care, Um, but I have a couple books that I got graded from CBCS. They came back and I'm like, no, I should get these. I'm going to submit these to CGC. <laughs> you should crack them open and send them to yeah. CGC. Yeah, I'm gonna get them pressed and cleaned because there were some where I just kind of like winged it. <laughs> and uh, so, do you want? So you get it for the grade, not for the preservation. I like. I actually prefer both. I like the not just the preservation. You but want the presentation? You want, yeah. But there are some books I have that I plan on selling. So like what? Like, I have three copies of Batman Adventures number twelve. Okay. Uh, which is the first appearance of Harley Quinn. I was about to say that's the first appearance of Harley Quinn. One's a CGC 8.0. One's a CBCS 8.0. And one's a CBCS 6.5. There's no reason for me to keep the 6.5 in its case. There's no point. Um, I should crack it, press it, clean it, and send it into CGC. It'll come back maybe a a, a 7.5 or an 8. Wow. And then I can flip it. One of the things I like about you, Jeff, is that you like comic books in a way <laughs> that I like it, but you don't make them. I don't. Have you thought about it? Yep. I thought about it a lot. The Do you want to is there is that is there a need to make a comic? Is there a need? I don't yeah. know. Um I thought yes. Um when I was a kid I wanted to be a comic book artist. Uh, and then I think I pulled away from art in high school. I was actually quite good at the time. Now uh, I would say I'm barely average. Right. Um, writing, I think, would be a lot of fun. It's just a combination of uh, time management and imposter syndrome. Interesting. Where... I've said this, I said this on a podcast once before, and somebody said uh, that it it hit them hard, where sometimes the only thing scarier than failure is success, Mm. where the idea of like, all right, if you get, say you write a book and it's amazing and it's the first book you write, what if the well is dry? What if your ideas aren't good enough? What Mm. if you're not? correctly writing the script you know like right there is this uh, aspect of uh perfection is the enemy of art you know like the pursuit of perfection is is hard and especially because of my schedule yeah podcasting i i record you know last week i think was a pretty big one i recorded i think seven or eight shows and that wow research so like we're we're doing we're i did one show for a a monthly pod that i do on magic the gathering and i haven't played magic the gathering in any form of competitiveness in 20 years so 
I had to research the last 20 years of this game on top of the history of it. Mm -hmm. That took me, I think it was something like eight or nine hours of research YouTube videos and like uh, correlating information and stuff like that. So when it all comes down to it, I rarely have time. I, I work out four to five times a week and that's an hour and a half minimum of my time, more like two hours between like travel Shower. and showering and protein shakes and all, the, all the stuff that you got to do. Killing do the animals to also do this other thing. Yeah. So it's, I, I would love to write comics and. Mm. Well, know, I see it. That's the thing. I respect that you understand it's not something you could do you know between it, all it, these things you're passionate about that I, you I'm want too, to do well in i respect the medium too much to half-ass it and i don't feel like i could go full when you look at our friends and, and my friends and our friends you know and you look at what they do and how long they've been involved in this medium and i feel like i don't want to insult them Right. You know, like, I don't want to. That's the difference I, between you and me. I want to insult your friends. That's fine. With my comics. Yeah. I want them to be like, what's this? Oh, my God. I, Does this I, guy I, think he could do it? I almost I had a meeting with somebody. I was going to create. Uh, I had this sort of idea for a, a sort of like a series, uh, like a, a, a weird kind of like comedy, tragedy, superhero story. And the artist that I w- was talking to about it, and we had really uh, interesting ideas, was uh, this guy Chris Abels. And Chris Abels works a lot in like character design and animation, and he's a good friend of mine. Uh, he was one of my first friends because he he was uh, a designer at the production company that I worked at. And then uh, RV Weinstein's company, right? Yeah, that was him. Yeah, that's yeah. him. Actually, I was using a fake name, uh, and he's one of the most talented people and we had this like meeting about it and then he blew up like he just exploded um, in in like the in the world of art and i was just like i didn't even bother following up at that point in time i was like (laughs) he probably is still doodling being like oh i'm waiting for chris i was like you don't well it's funny too because i'm like i'm not i'm i kind of shrug my shoulders and i'm like well he's i'm not i'm not enough for him now and then another friend of mine uh, who is a, a animation and comic book writer was like, hey, do you know any artists that that you think would be, you know, wanting to do that? And I, and I sent him to Chris and I was like, why don't you do this? Because like, yeah. you're, you're, you're better than me at this. Wow. That's interesting. That's and, and And so people will be watching this on our Substack if you are a monthly uh, member or a founding member and behind jeff is a plethora of marvel comics uh this is tra- this is uh yeah so i have um it's not so much necessarily that it's marvel so this is my, i mean it, it's my pretty trade. much all marvel yeah i think over here is all dc uh and it's that's really nothing just, compared I, to the other side well i mean i have image across the across oh, the too. oh that's uh, right i've never been to your place so no so my my recording studio is a, is a library. It's it's sort of a reading library of books that I haven't been reading. Um, yeah, I have a yes, lot of books. Them. Yeah, and, and a lot of this, you know, this does serve as an interesting backdrop. 
Yeah. You know, I like to put a lot of really, really cool um, stuff there. I got Boys. A, a Craven by Craven. Uh, Sean McManus. Oh, uh, there you go. I, uh, yeah, that was something that he gave to me at Wicked Comic Con last year because uh, <laughs> I quote said so many nice things about it on Instagram. Ah. And he's like, I want you to have this. And I That's was like, really I want sweet. you to sell this. Like, yeah. Um, but Wicked, yeah, I'm assuming Wicked Comic Con was in Boston. It is in Boston. Yeah. 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 It's um uh, as of recording, it should be happening next weekend. Oh, cool. Well, so, if you're in Boston, I know I have a lot of Boston friends go to Wicked. How do you say it? Wicked? W Wicked Comic Con. Um, the history behind Wicked Comic Con. No, is I don't want to hear about that. But uh. No, it's uh, a fascinating. I, I know, but we don't have a lot of time. We're at 11, 11 16, and I want to know about you, not okay. some con. Okay. Okay? Sure. Jesus. Sure, 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 sure. So what do you want to know? What do you want, Hank? <laughs> <laughs> so so contentious. All right, so what do you want to know? What do you, what, what, what do you want? Do I know more about the library behind? No, me? I don't want to. No, um, the, so the I mean, one Beavis of the reasons head VHS behind me. that is cool. I mean, you have so much. You have so much cool stuff. You know, I do. Uh, Jeff has cool stuff. That's that's a, your next podcast. They next uh, somebody suggested that as actually as a Patreon tier. You um have a Patreon. I do. And yeah, that's it. That's an interesting story. Uh. Well, let's get the this you know the cliff notes. The cliffs notes was uh, I've been a part of other people's patreons, uh, and I've never sought out my own. the The two patreons that I were on were from former cracked uh, people, both unpopular opinion and gamefully unemployed. Unpops with Adam Todd Brown, gamefully with Tom Ryman and David Bell. Uh, I do shows on each of them uh, and I love them. They're, they're all like some of my closest friends on the planet. And I've never, I've never viewed, I have imposter syndrome to be hundred percent honest. Like that's this thing that I, I openly acknowledge. I don't think people wanted to sign up for my Patreon if I had one, but I also had a, I had a podcast uh, through a, a company called Sideshow Collectibles. You did. That. I was on that show. Yeah. And uh, I thought it was going to be really big for me. I thought that that because I was like, oh, it's the the foremost collectible company in the country, in the world. Um, and I was like, and I'm going to be the voice of that when I do my podcast. And it was really neat. And I was doing video stuff. Um, it didn't get me. They didn't really know how to market. They thought they knew how to market podcasting and like that. But they also didn't want people to be like, get bigger than the company so oh wow I, I kind of which i understand their business is selling statues not podcasts so they didn't know how to market a podcast uh or they just didn't care so i would be like my show would drop and it would be like a huge guest and i wouldn't they wouldn't tweet about it or, or anything like that so i started to get a little bit like annoyed but i was still like i needed to get paid and i liked the people i liked sideshow yeah um, we cut to the pandemic and things start really falling apart between, you know, anti-masking, anti-vaxxing kind of terrible people between like racism and Black Lives Matter. And I was getting really vocal on social media and I would kind of get pinged and be like, hey, you, you can't. You're not really allowed to take sides when you're with a company this big. 
because oh my god leftists and racists both buy our shit um and to a point i understand that yes to a point i i if you have 213 jobs that you need to protect minimum what is a podcaster to that yeah but also what kind of impact are you going to be making well that's kind of what i you know and there were there was aspects to that as well like i mean i would you know i'd make a joke about wonder woman 84 and they were like you know we have that license if dc sees this you know they could pull our contract that is different from having a political opinion yeah so about things that are actually happening so i kind of felt like you know and we'd had the conversation where i was like well look you listened to tom and jeff watch batman you know that i view these things comedically while i love them that's what that's why you hired me um and i think they decided that i wasn't were what i was providing for them wasn't worth what the risk was of having me on you know i was too vocal outspoken and a bit sardonic so they decided to cut ties with me um in 2021 um they were like we can't keep doing this anymore uh and we they essentially i say they fired me but you know in california it's not firing if you were never technically working for the company yeah you were a yeah, I was a non-insured Perfect. person that they kept on call all the time. Right. Yeah. So I finally was like, you know what? Fuck it. Uh I'm going to I'm going to put up a Patreon. Yeah, the show the show died at Sideshow, but they don't own the rights to an interview podcast. Right. Uh, which is what I was doing. So I created I was like, well, fuck it. Like I was the one booking my show. You know, like they weren't like, we've got this person. They It was always up to me. So I was like, well, why am I making, why am I doing this for you when I can do this for me? So I opened up a Patreon and I, I was like, oh, Jeff has cool friends. I'm going to stick with the schedule. It's going to be basically a reskinned version of the old podcast. A foreskin. It's exactly yeah. right. That's a good, that's good. You should go get back into comedy. You should totally do that. That was good. Do say what was it foreskin, a foreskin if you will, like on a penis. Yeah. I okay, mean, I get it now. Yeah, so, like you you had it. Yeah. You know you were like fresh and bald, and now you're pulling yeah. the skin back forward, and it's Done. a new. That's exactly right. It's Did a you, new thing. Yeah. Yeah. No, but I I I did that, and then the. I set up a couple of really low level tiers, a five dollar tier and a ten dollar tier, and I just kind of yeah. put it out there, and and the reaction was really really humbling because it was it was high like i think a couple couple hundred people signed up for the patreon right away yeah uh and that was really it was really big i think it was like a hundred and i got like 150 people in my first month that's great it's been kind of steady um obviously like if i go on a on a bigger show like every time i go on uh behind the bastards for example like a couple people will trickle in yeah um, I just celebrated a two-year anniversary by revamping the Patreon. Um, I'm I'm doing new projects. I've been doing a lot of like pack breaking, mm-hmm. so, like opening up packs of trading cards, and and I've been doing a thing now where I'm going to be like mailing care packages out to people that pay for like personalized, right? Stuff from like from stuff that I pull from the packs, or 
things I find at conventions, if it's like, oh, you know, this person likes uh, Batman and I've got this Batman thing here, I don't need it. I'll send it to him. Right. Um. So I've shifted that and the reaction has been really good. Uh, it is hard running oh, a yeah. Patreon. Um, and every time it's hard not to feel like you're like begging a little bit. Yeah. But, you know, I I have I can keep my integrity. There you go. And that is I have an antiquated sense of integrity that has cost me a lot of money. But, <laughs> Welcome to the club. Yeah. But I don't Welcome mind that club. because I'm still here. Yes. Uh, thanks to Netflix. Uh, I'm still here. And Wait, what? I won a quarter of a million dollars on a Netflix game show. Do you not know that? No. Oh, I was on bullshit on Netflix. And even though they cut out my victory, I still got paid. So, <laughs> uh, so like you got Stormy Daniel. You got hush money on bullshit. In a way, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Wow. Except my, I think mine was easier. Yeah, a lot. Uh, mine was yeah. uh, mine was better. And uh, I'm not getting death threats from toothless people. That's uh, true. Which is huge. But yeah, no. So, so what? So where on Patreon can we find you? <laughs> so it is. Uh, it's Patreon.com/slash Jeff May. Uh, J E F F M A Y. And so I put the, the Jeff has cool friends has two episodes a month minimum. It's a biweekly podcast. Uh, I also have exclusive shows like Ugg fine with uh, my friend, Kim crawl, where we just basically talk about our month and we almost always get into a fight. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's very funny. She's one That's of my good... oldest friends in comedy. Yeah. That's a good friendship, but it it is. It's a very good because we're we're both very different, but we both care for each other very much. So it's funny to see, you know, we fight like siblings, and I think that's really fun. One of the tiers I have is I have two options open for I will record a monthly podcast with you, and the one that I've been doing with uh, Dre Alvarez um, has been called Nerd, and it weirdly has become like my my most popular show uh someone's gets... paid you to do a podcast that is your most popular show yes uh <laughs> well, it's the one I, i'll put it this way it's the one that that catches more people um on the what on free releases than, uh than uh on through jeff has cool friends but it's also just a lot of fun um yeah. where we do these deep dives into nerdy like every month we we do a deep dive into something nerdy and we do it in seasons in like three episode seasons. Oh, okay. That's cool. So like our first one was classic NES games. So we did an episode on Zelda two, then Mega Man two. Um, and then Mike Tyson or punch out. Mm. And then it was like, you know, TV specials. And we did, you know, like a couple of Christmas specials and mm -hmm. the Ewoks battle for Endor. And, uh, you know, we're doing like uh, collectible card games and we did Star Wars, Magic the Gathering, and then we're going to do Pokemon. Wow. I've never played. So that's going to be. You've never played Pokemon. Never played the game. I don't think anyone has. I'm, I've been like asking around and not a lot of people that I know played the game. Even I think the problem with it cards. is like you got the uh, what I would equate to mana to like power up to do the moves yeah. is uh, probably kind of what the. You might notice too, right, right, uh, where I'm pointing on screen. Yeah, thing, is. This is Pokemon. That is a sealed Pokemon Thunderstorm gift box that fell into my lap, and it's worth like a thousand dollars. Sell it. And part of me wants to open it on yeah, camera. Sell it. 
Oh. And uh, and just infuriate people might be maybe by just not knowing anything. I just saw a video of like Tokyo of people waiting overnight for a Pokemon car drop. Hell yeah. It was just like I love hundreds that. of people. Yeah. Wow. I mean, people did that for PS3. And that and, was and that was eight hundred dollars. No, totally. I'm just saying, like Pokemon cars are are back like anytime i go to a comic shop children with their families are asking for i don't think any i don't think any industry peaked and valued higher than pokemon as far as like the old stuff Uh, seriously value went from because the value was like pretty medium and then it dipped really hard and then it skyrocketed yeah just went out of town it's it's Um, it's amazing also in case you're wondering i do have a couple extra minutes Oh, uh, in case you wanted to, in case you well, to I, I did want to, I did want to make sure. So you, so you do have a monthly, uh, yeah, comedy show. I do, I do. Um, I, I, I've, I've. So Mint on Card is a show that I've been doing for six years, uh, or seven years now, I guess. Um, at Blast from the Past, and I structured it in such a way it was actually influenced by another comedy show. Um, there was a show called Yellowhammered. That was uh, three comics from Alabama that would run this show that was like basically a cookout in their backyard with some incredibly high talent comedians. And it was this like it was the place comics wanted to go and perform and hang out. Yeah. And so when Blast from the Past got their new building and my co-producer, Lisa Harden, was like, we should do a show like ask ask them like that's a good spot. And I asked them if they'd be interested because of their new spot and huge comedy fans, the owners, Larry and Kathy, they're like, they go to comedy shows. And so they were like honored. Oh, that that's I cool. Asked. And, and it was almost like a trick where I was like, would you, you know, how would you feel about that? And they'd be like, you'd be willing to do that with us. And I'd be like, what? Uh, y- yeah, yeah. I'd be uh, willing <laughs> to do that. <laughs> So uh, we've done that. And and so we've made it a point where like we the show is technically free and Lisa and I have built like a green room scenario, an area where everybody could all the we've made it so that comedians want to do the show. We run on donations. Um, We it's a it's a cool and weird underground room. You know, we lost Nerd Melt back in like 2016 or 2017. Has it been that long? Yeah. Um. So we lost Nerd Melt. So there weren't really a lot of like geeky spots to have good shows. Mm -hmm. So we started by really booking high talent and being like, look, we're trying to build something and and we'd love if you came along. And now we get really, really high level comedians coming by to do a free show where we can pay through donations. Like I think every comic for a 10 minute set made like 40 bucks. At yeah. our last show, which in is LA, like unheard yeah. of. Yeah, no, I mean, I went. I remember going, and Dana Gould was performing for free. For, yeah, the, you could see Dana Gould do, and he was he did like thirty minutes. Yeah. Um, I don't put a governor on Dana when he performs. I just right. tell him I'm putting you on last, and I'm lighting you at eight minutes, and then do whatever you want to do. Yeah. Um, because if you have, if you have Dana, you're not going to burn him. Right. Um. So I was just like, dude, do whatever you want. If you want to leave at 10, like like I asked, do do it. But if yeah. you want to go long, we're not going to get mad at it. And that actually 
the last show we had James Adomian on. And if you don't know James Adomian, uh, you might know him as uh, the My Pillow guy on Kimmel. Uh, he's oh, you know, I know who he is. Yeah, he, he's Bane on um, Harley Quinn. He's a chameleon. He's been in a million things. Um, and you know, I lit him, and and he went. I think he went a good ten minutes long and murdered the whole time. And I'm like, yeah, that's that's not a bad deal. A yeah, free show, yeah. free uh, show where you know you get you get no that that's really cool. talent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's really cool. Yeah, and, and uh, a lot of my listeners are in Los Angeles. So if you are in Los Angeles listening or out of town, a lot of people, you know, sure. can't get into the bigger spots we, because they're a little expensive and there's like, you know, yeah, there's no minimums here. Yeah. Yeah. There's no, there's no, it's, um, we, we do like free candy. We do raffles. Yes. We give stuff away. Give stuff um, away. It's a and, great time. Yeah. So we're the second Friday of every month. And, um, is that because of the whole like Magnolia, like, it, we used to sync up with Magnolia Park, but the, yeah. uh, the but then we realized that that wasn't the crowd we wanted. No, people uh, just walking, people in, walking and, in and, and out shopping and, wow. while there was comedy. Yeah. yeah. So we we decided to do it the second Friday of every month to sort of ha- make it be our own thing. Uh, we used to be able to get food trucks um, to come out, but then I think they realized that even if we had a packed house, they wouldn't make enough money. If right. Because there's, there's not as much foot traffic, but every once in a while we'll get a food truck. Yeah, I mean, like that's a popular street, you know. Even if they're not just serving food to you, yeah, people people stop and drive by. Yeah. We we have a lot of people. A lot of my, I hate saying fans, but a lot of the people who listen to my things and like me, your fans, me. dude. You've yeah, been doing this for long enough to have fans. Okay, so a lot of my fans will, if they're like traveling, they'll sync up their travels to Mint on Card. Yeah, which I think is really cool. Um, and, and quite an honor. And I've met yeah. a lot of people through like Unpops, uh, fans, uh, or Tom and Jeff watch Batman fans that they, they consider this to be like a goal to come see the show. And that yeah. is, there's nothing that is more humbling and that makes you feel better. Right. To have somebody be like, Oh no, like I planned a trip around your show. Yeah. That's cool. It's a lot. It's, you know, I'm not famous enough to just write that off right like some people are you know some people i can assume that happens to dana all the time you know like when you when you're somebody like dana gould and it's like and some people are like yeah we we traveled here from seattle he's like oh that's really nice i appreciate that if somebody said that to me i would like break would drop down i would be like oh my can i give you money from my wallet um that kind of a thing yeah Um, that's you know honestly it's uh you're a good guy jeff and a lot of people like you and uh, I'm very glad I met you. And glad uh, I met you. You're great. Yeah, you're great. And I, let me say this no. because I don't nope. know if you get this or not. But from from I when I this. met you, mm-hmm. okay, and you were like, "Oh, this is my friend Henry's." You were kind of introduced me as like kind of a comic, like you hadn't really been performing a lot, and you relocated. But he's like, "Oh, he works for this comic book company," and and we started geeking out together. To see where you are now and to see what you did uh, with uh, La Voz de Mayo, Tata Rambo, with Helm Greycastle, with Gil Thorpe, to see how you have sort of pushed yourself and stretched out your legs in a way that has brought mainstream attention to the work that you do is awesome. Thank you. 
I love being a fan of my friends. It's why I created a podcast where I could geek out about my friends' accomplishments. And that to me is so cool. Like it's so, like it like seeing seeing like you take over Gil Thorpe, which is like the white breadest um <laughs> non-funny comic strip and to see you bring it into the 21st century after it's been you know the energy you get from Gil Thorpe is people are what is this the 70s <laughs> and then to have you take over that and to drag it forward um is fascinating to me thank you thank like you it, it is, I, it I'm is stoked on you I appreciate that a lot and uh I love writing Gil Thorpe. He is, he, I, I have to think about it every day because it's due every Monday. So I have a question for you. This sure. is a question I was going to ask you when I have you back on my show, but I'm okay. going to ask you now. Do you want to uh, wait? How many strips do you write like ahead of, like how ahead of time do you go? I just turned in yesterday's script and that was for the end of May. Okay. So you're, you're, you're like a month, like, a month and or a half. like a month and a half ahead okay I'm, yeah. I'm like fascinated by that like I always it, yeah it's it sucks because like the way i'm structuring this is it's three panels a day it's six you know it's six strips a week that's um you know i try to i try to make it so that when we recollect it it's going to be an easy read page by page yeah but uh, you don't have to read it that way because there's like a, you know, there's an art to it. Yeah, no, it's really cool. Uh, it's such a fascinating thing. And to see that, like, to see you sort of being brought in to rejuvenate it has been really cool. Uh, yeah. You know, when they sent me the first, comic. like, pay, like, com like comics funny page from the paper in uh, in Concord, uh, it was Peanuts, you know, Doonesbury, Garfield, Dilbert, R.I.P., and then me. That's pretty cool. And I was like, and now you're above Dilbert, <laughs> or someone else got that spot. Who knows? Like, it's just like it to have those that is rad though. Yeah, to have that real estate with that talent. Yeah, you know, is is uh, is something I don't take for granted. So here, like, I know, like, we obviously we have to we have to wrap this up. Um, you know what <laughs> this is my podcast i tell you when we wrap this up i know oh it's yeah but it's my zoom call <laughs> so, so i don't think you understand that no, um, you have all the control i i you know looking back at my career i'm a retired teacher i yeah. i i was a fighter i've been a coach i ran a comic book club i've always tried to keep my feet in in as many different worlds as possible I think that that makes people more interesting. I think it gives you more to talk about. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, and and I think I, I my dad is not. Uh, my dad gave me some advice when I was a teenager, which was be interesting. Oh. And and it was like of all the advice that he has uh, given me, which hasn't been a lot. Being interesting, I thought I think was the thing that stuck with me. So I've been I try very hard to be as much of a Renaissance person as possible. Um, I, I was alone in that back in Massachusetts out here. I've met a lot of people that are very much like me. Um, even people like, uh, you know, I don't know if you know, Koi Jandro, um, he, uh, he's a Massachusetts dude who used to be a boxer and now he talks about comics. Oh, cool. No, and does panels no. and does comic, comic con panels and stuff like that. 
Um, I've worked very hard to make sure that I cover a lot of ground and I try to push health, physical, emotional, mental, uh, social health, all these things. It's hard to do that, but it's so rewarding. And so I always, you know, if people ask me like about, you know, shit, like working out or, or, you know, doing podcasts or stuff like that. I'm like, if it's worth it, it's worth working hard for it. Yeah. And, and I always do suggest that. Like That's a good, yeah, that's so true. You know, I mean, as you and I both know, doing comedy for a living is not easy. If it's easy, everyone would do it. Yeah. A lot of late nights. Writing comics is the same thing. Writing comics. Yeah. Same thing. That's the thing that, and tying back to your question too, like, would I be able to even invest that same amount of energy into writing comics, even though it's a dream of mine? Yeah. I don't know if I could, you know, I think you could, I think, uh, I think you're putting it too much of on a pedestal, but that's a conversation for when I'm on your podcast. Yeah. Jeff, thank you so much for doing this. Henry, it's such a, do it. it was, uh, it's, uh, you know, can't wait to see you at the next show and, uh, everyone check out your, your, uh, you're on Instagram. You're on everything. Yeah, I'm at Hey There Jeffro, H-E-Y-T-H-E-R-E-J-E-F-F-R-O. Uh, you can find all the stuff there. If you're looking for my podcasts, all you got to do is type unpopular opinion. You don't even like sports. Tom and Jeff watch Batman or Jeff has cool friends. And you can find all that um, information as well. Thank you so much, man. Have uh, I'll see you later. Thank you. And I will see you later.